Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's good to see you. Thank you for coming to the second service today. We have a lot of people that are worshiping at the lake and golf courses and family reunions and vacations and all across the globe. I just got back from Arkansas this week and I am glad to be back home. There's no place like Oklahoma. Arkansas may run a close second, but it's not home. Amen. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your amazing grace, your love, your compassion for all of us. We're so grateful to be your children. For each person that's here, speak to their hearts in a very special way. We'll give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here today. <laughs> Carrie is going to Oklahoma City. Can anybody imagine that? If this is your first time, 14 days ago we had our first grandbaby, and so she's never been the same since. I'm yesterday's news, let me just tell you, I'm yesterday's news. talk to you this morning about such a time as this. While I was gone this week, the Lord really impressed upon something in my heart, in my life. You know, God speaks to everybody a little bit differently. God at different times in different ways spoke to the prophets, so uh, he speaks to us differently at many times and junctures. And, and you know, I, I don't hear some big bombastic uh, voice from heaven, no thundering, no lightning, but sometimes God just speaks to my heart. And, and sometimes it's very brief. It's just a word or two, and from that, uh, the Holy Spirit just begins to develop something inside of me, and I want to talk to you about Queen Esther today. And to set the stage, Esther is a Jewish young lady. Hadassah is her Jewish name. Her name is changed to Esther, which means star, and in the Hebrew, it means hidden. And so here is a young lady who is going to Queen Auditions, and she, I say, won the genetic lottery because the former queen did not come in when the king had asked her to come in. Vashti or Vashti, depending on how you want to pronounce her name, refused to come in before the king and all the men freaked out because at that day and time, about 700 and something B.C., very male-dominated society, so the other princes and the men in power and position said, King, you cannot let her get by with that because our wives will start doing the same thing. I deserve a better amen than that. So they went out through this entire uh, kingdom, which stretches from northern Africa, Turkey, Asia Minor, all of the Middle East, all the way over to India. It was a world-conquesting empire, and Ahasuerus, or King Art, to Xerxes, or Xerxes, how many of you ever watched the 300? Now, y'all aren't that holy. How many of you ever watched the 300? Okay, you know, a bunch of men all muscled up. And Xerxes the king, there was uh, two or three of them. And, and so this is Xerxes who selects Queen Esther as the new queen. And there is an evil man in the, the kingdom, and he's called an evil man by the name of Haman. And he gets the king to sign an edict to exterminate the Jews. Have you ever wondered through history why the Jews have been so oppressed? Nazi Germany tried to eradicate the Jews. Uh, many times in many cultures the Jews have been trying to eradicate. Behind the nation was an enemy called the devil that did not want this people group to progress because he knew out of this people is going to come 
become the Messiah. So if you can cut it off at the root, no Messiah is going to come. But how many of you know there's a root out of Jesse? Hallelujah. A root out of Jesse that sprung forth. So the enemy's trying to exterminate the Jews, and this edict is signed. And Mordecai, now understand, Esther is kind of an orphan. She's raised by cousins and aunts and uncles. And she's being raised up as she wins this queen audition. She's the new queen. And now the edict's going to go out. We're going to kill all of the Jews in this Persian empire. Pick it up. Chapter 4, verse 11. That's the background. And Esther's response to Mordecai when he says, Esther, you've got to do something. You've got to move to action. And she says, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death. Except the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as far as me, I have not been called to come into the king these 30 days. For 30 days the king has not called me. And you know, Mordecai, that if anyone goes into that inner chamber and the king does not hold out his scepter to them, they just kill him. I mean, no, no trial, no question, no Judge Judy, nothing like that. I mean, they just kill him. And she says, I have not been in. And, and Mordecai is trying to urge her to go in and petition the king. Verse 13, this is his response to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you do, if you do keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place or another source, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Say that with me. For such a time as this. Now let's all participate. Here we go. For such a time as this. See, Esther is fixing to learn why she's in that position. She's fixing to find out why God has strategically placed her there. She's not there by accident. How many of you know she's there by holy design? Do you realize in the book of Esther, God's never mentioned? He's never mentioned in this book. But the silence is so loud, it's deafening. Because behind the scenes, God is orchestrating the events. Have you ever thought in your life, God, where are you? We're voting. How many of you ever asked, God, where are you in this situation? I mean, my marriage, my divorce, my sickness, my finances, my job, my practice. God, where are you? And sometimes when we don't see him, he's there even though we don't see him. He's ever a present help in the time of our need. Just because we can't see him with our natural eyes and sometimes we don't feel him, I'm going to tell you he's always there. We serve a God who said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Aren't you glad he's that kind of God? So here Esther is. She is in this position. Mordecai is trying to get her to do something and She's fixing to realize why she's in this position. You know, Mark Twain said this, the two most important days of your life are these, the day you were born and the day you find out why. Isn't that powerful? So what can we learn from Esther's story for such a time as this? I want to give you three things today. Number one, it's time to belong. Say that with me. It's time to belong. Let's say it again. It's time to belong. Maybe you're here for the first time, the second time, or a year, or two, or three. Let me tell you, everybody has a place. And everybody has a position. 
Esther has a place and position. The place is the palace. Let me tell you, she lives in opulence. She lives in royal uh, surroundings, splendor, protected. She enjoys the benefits of being the queen. She lives in royalty. She is the highest woman in this entire kingdom. She holds the highest position, and that's exactly where Esther is. God positioned her in a place, and you have a place. And sometimes we think the place is in heaven, and that's a good place. John 14, you know, the Lord said, You believe in God, believe also in me, and my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. But listen, this is not just in the sweet by and by apple pie, right? You've got to have a place now. You have a place today. How many of you believe you have a place today? Yes. Now in Exodus, remember when they're going to the promised land and Moses says, Lord, we don't want to go without you. We need your presence. I want to pick it up at Exodus chapter 23, verse 20. And the Lord says, Behold, I am going to send an angel before you to guard you along the way and to bring you into the place that I have prepared for you. I have prepared your place. Listen, you have a place not only in heaven, but you have a place here. All of us here, we have a place right here. You have a place. I have a place. All God's children got a place. So, you also have a position. Now, the position that you and I have is spurred by and anointed by the Holy Spirit. Paul talked about this, and he tells us that all of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit, when you come to Christ, when you allow the Holy Spirit to come into your life, then the Holy Spirit gifts you. And the Bible says in different ways, different operations, different administrations, God is going to use you by the power of his Holy Spirit within you. Now, to sum this up, this is what he's saying. God uses people to do his work. And he got, God uses all types of people to do his work. He uses young people, he uses older people, he uses good-looking people, and he uses ugly people. I'm a living proof of that. So God uses tall people, short people, big people, black people, white people, Hispanic people. God is no respecter person, but he does respect his principle. He respects his precepts, but no respecter person. So here the Spirit is going to work through us Chapter 12 of, first of Corinthians, verse 7, says it profits everyone for the common good. So whatever God is calling you to place a position, let me tell you what it's for. It's not just for you personally. It profits everybody around you. You're going to bless other people when God uses you. You find your place. You find your position. But notice Mordecai's word to Queen Esther. This is back in verse 13. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. Not only does she have a place, and she has a position. Listen to this. She has a people. There's a people here. So she belongs to a place, she belongs to a position, and she belongs to a people. You belong to a people. If you are in the family of God, you belong to a people. Can I hear an amen? amen. So even the king at this juncture doesn't know all of Esther's background. Isn't that amazing? Because if he had not signed the edict, then we would say then he realizes his wife is a Jew. But he signed the edict for all the Jews to be destroyed. And guess what? Hello, wake up, smell the coffee, king. Your wife is a Jew. Wow. Now you tell me, honey. Where would you buy this dress? This old thing? I've had it for a long time. 
When did you become a Jew? Well, king, ever since I was born. So he realizes that she is a Jew in this story. You know, one man told his pastor, he said, he said, Pastor, man, I'm in the Lord's army. And the pastor said, I only see you here on Christmas and Easter. He said, what branch you in? He said, the secret service. <laughs> How many of you know a lot of believers are in the secret service? Nobody knows they're Christians. Well, let me ask you a question. Is your light shining? Is my light shining? Do you have it under a bushel? No. Do you have it on the candlestick? Yes. you got to have it out there. Do people hear you pray? Do they see your integrity, your character? Are you trying to run your business, your practice, your family under the right conditions? Are you letting your light shine? Listen, Esther has a people. Do people identify you with the people of God? Are you a believer? Do you have the characteristics that God wants you to have? How many people know that about you? I'm not saying you get a drum and you march through the street and say, look at me, I'm holy. How many of you know that would have the opposite effect? Uh, how many of you have ever heard me talk about how some people witness? You ever go to somebody's house and you love dogs, but you don't love them that much? <laughs> And they jump in your lap and start licking your face. And you start going like this. And they say, don't you love dogs? Yeah, I, I love dogs. I just don't love yours. <laughs> you know, some people witness that way. How many of you know, he that winneth souls is wise. I mean, we want our light to shine. We want to have the, the godly characteristic, the integrity, the character. We need to belong. There are too many Lone Ranger Christians today. We have to belong, and we do belong, to the body of Christ. You need a family. You need a group. You need to be part of the body of Christ. Not in generality, but you need to do that specifically. We belong to the church. We belong to Jesus who purchased the church. We are called the body of Christ. Let me give you a verse. This is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6. Members together of one body, partakers, sharers together of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The Bible says that we are members together. Everybody say together. Yes. You know, sometimes I meet people, and as a pastor, I talk to people, and I'll invite them to church. Well, you know, uh, I'm a believer. Well, where do you go to church? Well, I don't go anywhere. Really? I don't believe in the church. <laughs> what a sad statement. Because the Bible says Jesus is the head of the church. The Bible says he gave his life for the church. He shed his blood for the church. How many of you know he's coming back for the church? I'm not just talking about Ray of Hope Church. Listen, if all of heaven is just Ray of Hope, it's a small heaven. But you know there are believers all over the world, different shingles hanging over the door. But if you're a born-again believer, how many of you know you're a part of the church? In generality, we're part of the church. But in this local body, specifically, we belong to this church. I'm glad I belong to this church. And you say, well, I don't need a family. Yes, you do. You really do. You need the family of God. I talked to one person a few years ago, and uh, he told me he was a believer, and I asked him again. I said, where do you go to church? He said, I don't go to church. I said, well, you, you told me that you were a believer. Uh, and he said, no, I, I don't go anywhere. And I said, well, how, how do you get fed? I mean, how do you interact? He said, well, I watch it on television. And nothing wrong with that, except that's just not the whole meal deal. Right? right? And... and and he told me this. He said, Joseph Prince is my pastor. Now, I've watched Joseph Prince on television. I don't know anything bad about him. But 
I said, you know, if you're sick in the hospital, call Joe, and I don't think he's going to come to Duncan to visit you. I'm preaching better than what you think. Or if your family member dies, and I don't think Joseph's going to leave the Far East and come do the funeral. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with that. But listen, you need to belong to a family. I need to belong to a family. Years ago, and some of you will remember this, there's a lady in our church, and, and this got back to me, and she was visiting with someone, and they asked her where she went to church. She said, Ray of Hope. And they said, well, then Pastor Mike's your pastor. And she said, no. I go there, but he's not my pastor. I mean, you know, he didn't last, she didn't last long. B because there's a lot of people that are just vagabonds. They pitch their tent here and here and here and here, and they don't have any roots. And how do you know if you're going to have fruit, you've got to have roots? Because the fruit is determined how deep the roots are. And all of us got to have some roots. You need to be grounded. You need to be stable. You need to be planted in good ground. And listen, if not here somewhere, you need to have a family, not in generality, but you need to have it specifically. Can I hear an amen? So we're looking here at so many long-range plans here that it takes some roots to launch you to the heights, and it takes time, it takes help, it takes people to get there. So we're members in particular, but together we make up the body of Christ. In Psalm chapter 68, verse 6, this is what the Bible says God does to individuals and people who are solitary. God says the solitary in families. What does he do to the individual? He puts them where? In families, he brings out those who are bound into prosperity. Another translation, God settles the solitary in a home and he leads the prisoners to prosperity. God wants to put you in a family. Everything about the church is all about family. What do we call each other? Brothers and sisters. We have spiritual mothers and fathers. He is our heavenly father. Even Israel, the names of the tribes were just brothers' names, right? This is all about family. This is more than an organization. This is not a company. This is not a denomination. This is the church. And we are the bride of Christ. These are all family terms. We need to belong to the family of God. And you need to belong to the family of God. And we're in that family in generality, but we need to be a part of that family specifically. Now, Esther not only had a place and a purpose, and she had a people, but this purpose goes a little bit further than just being the queen. Yeah, she's the queen, but how many of you know her purpose goes deeper than just queenship? Because God's going to use her to do something specifically. Now, this is what Mordecai is saying to her. Esther, you cannot stay on the sideline. You can't be in the folding chair on the edge of the court. You've got to move into the game. You've got to get involved here. You can't just sit on the sideline. No games are ever won on the sideline. When I was a freshman, um, our, our football team did very well. We, we went undefeated that year. As a sophomore... Most sophomores don't start football. And uh, I was that way first game or two. But this is what I learned. You always want to stand by the coach. <laughs> always stand by Coach Jesus. Because when something goes on, the coach has a habit of reaching out and grabbing the first guy that's close to him. 
so we're playing a game, and, and our defensive end wasn't doing very good at that game. And I'm standing by the coach, and if he'd go this way, I'd go this way. If he'd go this way, stay close to Jesus, right? So he'd go this way. And, and so he was so frustrated because, you know, it wasn't going right on our defense. And he reached over, and, he, you know, coaches back then would grab you, and they'd headbutt you. They didn't need a helmet. They'd just headbutt you and, and pull you up into their grill. And, you know, you got your face mask on. And he grabbed me by the center of the jersey, pulled me up, and he said, McCord! He said, they're killing us over there. He said, can you go in there and stop them? And my little sophomore guys, I said, I'll try. Well, I went in and I, I started, you know, the rest of the time in football. Listen, you cannot win on the sideline. You've got to get involved. You've got to engage. You've got to initiate. Can I hear an amen? Esther, you've got to do something here. You cannot expect to be the queen and be safe in the palace because this is bigger than you. Because if this edict goes forth, you're going to die because you're a Jew. You see, if you don't do what you should do, God will raise somebody else to do it. I don't want anybody to do my worship. I don't want anybody to do my praise. And I don't want rocks to praise for me. I don't want them to do my calling, my anointing, or my purpose. How about you? You need to do what you're called to do. Esther, you've got to get in this game. Can I hear an amen? We belong to a place, a position, a people, and also to a purpose. A purpose. You have a purpose. You have a tremendous person. Here's the second thing this morning. Not only do we need to belong, we need to believe. Say that with me. We need to believe. Let's say it again. We need to believe. For such a time as this, a time to belong, a time to believe. We must be a people of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We believe God. We believe his word. We believe his precepts. And we have to believe this. You and I can make a difference. We can make a difference. We can make a difference. Let me tell you some ways we make a difference. We can make a difference in this community. Let me tell you why. Because right here among us, we have people in politics, mayors, councilmen, city managers, doctors, lawyers, superintendents of schools, educators, coaches, people in business, and guess what? Every time we come in here to worship, every time we sing, we worship and we praise, every time we break open the Word of God, you know what we're doing? The Bible says this, we're sharpening each other. As one person sharpens the countenance of another person, we're getting better, we're getting sharper, and then we leave here and guess what we do? We go out into the mission field. Your mission field may be your practice. It may be your office. maybe the factory. maybe anywhere. maybe in the school. And when you go with character and integrity and you go with purpose and intent and you belong and you initiate, guess what you're doing? You're influencing our community. Goodness gracious, our community needs influence. We need to believe that we can change and be a part of what God's doing. God can use you and God can use me. Isn't that exciting to think the God of the universe would use you? And the God of the universe would use me? And you say, well, how could God use me in every way? He could use you to change a heart, a life, a marriage, uh, even the difficulty that you've gone through. Even the trials you've gone through. Do you realize God never wastes anything? He doesn't even waste your pain. 
He doesn't even waste your storm or your tragedy because there's somebody else is going to come behind you that has the same issue. And guess what you can do? You can say, I weathered the storm. God help me and he'll help you. I believe God, and if you trust God, he will get you through because he got me through. You become a living testimony known and read by all men because now you're doing what you should do, and you become to the praise and the glory of God. Isn't that exciting? God never wastes anything, even your pain, and he'll use you. What you do matters. We have to exercise our faith in our personal life, for our family, to impact those around us. Could I just take the next five minutes and cast some vision here? You know, we're not here because we decided we're going to be some kind of a niche group of culture. We're not here because of a denomination. We're not here because we got mad at the church down the road. We're not here because of a power play. I can't get along with you, you can't get along with me, so I'll take my football and I'll go home or go down the road. And you know this happens all the time. We cannot birth out of controversy. We cannot birth out of personality. We have to birth out of the Spirit of Almighty God. We have to birth because this is what God wants us to do. And our community can be changed because of lives being changed. And we can be a place that we can grow and we can become better and we can become light and salt in a dark world and as we effuse out in our community guess what happens we put light and salt out in our community we're not here on the corner to hold hands and sing kumbaya for another hundred years waiting for Jesus to come we need to be about his business you know, sometimes we do this in church, and we go to church, and we, we, we have a great service, and we say, man, we had a great service. Was anybody saved? No. Did we help any missionaries? No. Did, did we increase the kingdom? No. But we sure had a good time ourselves. And there's nothing wrong with having a good time ourselves. But how many of you know the vision's got to be bigger than that? The, the vision's bigger than me, and it's bigger than you. Matter of fact, God's vision is so big, it's going to take him to do it. And we're going to be a part of that. We, we can change children, and we can change young people. And every time we have a class or we have a, an event or, or, or we have youth group or our kid zone, you know what will happen? Those kids are getting the Word of God in their hearts. And some of them, listen to me, some of them, the only positive thing they get is either here or school. Because every, every day... There are kids who are living horrific lives, discouraging lives, and you and I can make a difference in that. There are, there are moms and dads who will not get up. They're so lazy, and pardon my bluntness, but I'm going to tell you, they're so lazy and wrapped up in themselves, they are not going to develop their children. And every Wednesday, we pick up kids by the scores whose parents are so strung out that the only positive thing that they're getting is outside the home because inside the home it's buckets of hell every week. 
they're so strung out they won't even dress their own kids. Matter of fact, most of the time it's the older siblings that are dressing the little ones to get out by the curb so the church van can come and pick them up to bring them where they can have hope and life in Christ and maybe they can say, I am not going to continue to live this way. There's a better way to live. There's a better way to serve. There's a better life out there and it's through Jesus Christ. Well, okay, some of us got that. And we can change that. We can change it one child at a time, and hopefully the family will come, and we can build buildings, and we can have places for youth and children to come, and we can change our community, because you know this, in some towns and some communities, it is darkness. Not only do you not walk through those, you don't even drive through them. Do you realize there's more people dying every week in Chicago than in the war in the Middle East? Why? Darkness has pervaded those communities. There's no hope. They think the answer's in drugs, and gangs, alcohol, money, bling, superstar. Let me tell you, the hope is in Christ. It's not in those things. I'm not against a lot of things that sometimes people think that they're against. Listen, you got to get everything in the right order. you got to prioritize things, get them in the right order. So we can change community. We can change family, children, youth. We can change this campus where people are driving up here every week to have their lives change. Let me tell you, the most important change that you need is you. The most important thing that I need is a change in Mike because I can remember when that wasn't so good. Let me give you the last thing. Not only is there a time and a need to belong and to believe, there's a time to begin. you got to begin. Longest journey starts with the first step. And I think I was stirred up this week to come to you today, and hopefully you don't find this offensive, but we got to get people off the sideline. Right. And maybe you're here and you're new, and you say, well, where do I start? Just take the first step. What's God called you to do? What can you do? Where can you get involved? Can you sing? Can you play? Can you usher? Can you teach? Can you pray? Can you give? I mean, what can you do? Can you believe? We all start somewhere. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. I share this about every two or three years, and I share it in the early church, and some of you don't know this, but I... I want to give it to you. You know, there's a place you, you belong and you begin. When Karen and I got married, I was finishing up college. And uh, praise God to finish up college. The only time I go back to college now is to speak. But um, I worked 40 hours a week trying to finish up college. We lived in a little trader house. Didn't hardly have anything. And Carrie was working. And we didn't go to church. I was raised in a Christian home, Christian family. She was raised in a great Christian home, great Christian family. But when we got married, we didn't go to church. We, we didn't serve God. Uh, but I noticed Carrie started reading her Bible. I didn't know we had one. But her grandmother had given her a Bible. And she started reading the Bible. And I noticed that's peculiar because my wife's reading the Bible. And Carrie is a beautiful lady, and uh, she's very well educated, and she's just a great person. But back then, we, we were just starting out our life, and, and God wasn't a priority at all. 
And so one Saturday, and I'd work late at night, and Saturday morning was the only time I could sleep late, and she came into the bedroom, and she's weeping, she's crying. I mean, she's not sniffling, she's, she's, I mean, she's emotionally charged, and, and she came and woke me up, and she said, Mike, we've got to get our life straightened out. We've got to change our life. We, we, we need to start serving God. And I thought, wow, this is strange. This is really peculiar. And, and I remember her saying something to me. She said, Mike, would you pray for me? I could tell she was really under conviction and, and she was really serious. And I remember what I told her and it was so sad, but it's the truth. I said, Carrie, I don't even know how to pray for me, much less you. And that's sad. I said, I don't even know how to pray for you. And she just continued. I mean, she was really weeping and crying. And, and I said, I'm going to call my mother and come down for her to talk to you. My mother's a great woman, a great godly woman. So I called mother, and mother drove to our little trader house, and she began to talk to Carrie and pray for her. And she was better, but that afternoon she kept, she, she kept praying, she kept crying, and I said, I'm going to take you to mother's now. Because <laughs> I was really under conviction too, because, you know, she's really making me feel bad. And so I'm taking you to mother. So I took her to mother's, and mother called her pastor, and, and so... I, I was there in mother's living room and Carrie, my little wife, got down on her knees and they got down on the knees to pray and they lifted their hands to heaven and she began to have stammering lips and it made me so nervous I left. I, I just got in my car and I drove off. I said, I gotta go to work. So I went to work and I come home about midnight, one o'clock, whenever we finished up and, and so I got home and all the lights in the trailer are on, and she meets me at the door, and she says, Mike, I am so happy. I feel like the weight of the world's lifted off me. We're going to start going to church. We're going to serve God. We're going to get our life straightened out. I said, hold on here, sister. I said, I'm the same person that left today. I don't want to serve God. I don't want to go to church. You know, what's wrong with her life? And I really discouraged her. But you know what she did? She went with my mother anyway. She just left me at home. And you know what she did? She made the first step. She did what she knew to do. So she started going to church, and this is what I say. When your mother and your wife starts praying for you, you're done. I'm just telling you, you're done. So a few weeks later, she said, Mike, I'm going to get baptized on Wednesday night. Would you go watch me? And I thought, oh, I don't want to go. But your wife's getting baptized, big deal. So I went, and uh, they're singing the songs. And I stood there at the pew, and like you did this morning, and I had my hands on the back of the pew, and my knuckles are white, my knees are knocking. And one part of me is saying, you know, Mike, you need to get your life straightened out, and the Holy Spirit's dealing with me, and I'm nervous, and I'm sweating in the middle of January. And then another part of me said, hang on here, buddy. This will be over a minute, and you can get out of here. I had this real struggle going on inside of me. And then at the end of the service... I mean, I went up and I fell on my knees and I wept and wept and I cried. I didn't care what anybody thought about me, saw me. I didn't care. I need to get my heart right with God. And then they called them back to be baptized. And, and so Carrie got up to leave and I got up and I followed her. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to get baptized. She said, you're not supposed to get baptized. I said, I'm getting baptized anyway. <laughs> If you are, I am. She said, you don't even have any clothes. I said, I'll get baptized in the clothes I have on. So anyway, long story longer. Uh, I went to the back, and that old baptistry was just a metal tank that they had built inside the wall. There was no indoor plumbing to it. 
The way they filled up the baptistry was a garden hose from the outside faucet of the yard through the window of the church, and they filled it up, and it's the last week of January. You love Jesus or you died. I mean, it felt like needles were poking in me. I mean, everybody come up with stammering lips. I mean, you were blue. But you know what? Our life just changed. That Saturday, we were at our little bitty kitchen at a dining room table eating sandwiches. And it was the first time in our married life that we held hands and we prayed over our sandwich. It was so strange. It was like there were aliens in the room. But our life changed. And today people said, well, how'd you get to be a pastor? I don't know. I just showed up to watch my wife get baptized. <laughs> Everybody has a starting point. And if your starting point today is just making that first step, it's what God wants you to do. If you don't know Jesus, make the first step. Because I'll guarantee you, he'll run to you. Because he's already done everything that needs to be done. He's just waiting for your response. And if you're a believer, and you say, how do I get plugged in? How do I get off the sideline? We can help you do that. We need all the help we can get. How many of you know a growing church needs all the help that they get? Would you bow your head with me? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.